Your worldview is the lens in which you see the world. Everybody here has a worldview. Uh, and you get that worldview just by your upbringing, by things that uh, parents or grandparents or uh, family, you know, say to you, experiences, uh, trauma, these things create a worldview that you have. Uh, and so as Christians, we should hold a biblical worldview, which means that the word of God is the lens in which we see the world and how we view the world because the world, our worldview is just the lens in which we see the world and every decision we make is filtered through our worldview. So every decision you make, you filter it through your worldview. Something as simple as a grandparent telling you that you need to be careful who you trust and that you can't trust everyone. Right now, this can create in you a worldview that I can't trust people, right? That I, there, I can't trust anybody. And then when you gain that for the rest of your life, every decision you make is filtered through, I can't trust people. Okay, so it begins to build the basis of your worldview. Now, everybody here in this room, hopefully, I believe, uh, you got saved at one point or another, and you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, this changes a part of your worldview, but it does not change your whole worldview. Part of your worldview that changes is you admit that you need a Savior. You find out, like, hey, I can't do this. I can't pull this off. I got to have Jesus. I need his help. You humble yourself. You submit to him as Lord, and you say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And it begins to change that, but it does not change your entire worldview because it goes even deeper beyond that. And we understand that, hey, I'm a sinner. Uh, I've sinned against God. I'm far from God. I need Jesus to bring me back to God so that I can be close to God, but then we understand that our worldview goes deeper than that, and we hold beliefs um, that, that go beyond that. You know, a simple thing, uh, like everything happens for a reason, right? That is a deep-held belief in people's lives. Well, everything happens for a reason. And biblically speaking, uh, we know that that is not the full truth. Right? The decisions I make can affect what happens. Right? The decision, I can do dumb stuff and I get dumb results. Right? I can do wise thing and get wise results. You know, you can read the book of Proverbs and uh, you can read it in about a month, a chapter a day. You know what Proverbs does every verse? If you're dumb, this happens. If you're wise, this happens. And it does it for about 30 chapters. Right, if you you know, and so there's natural consequences to things. So uh, the Barna Group, along with Arizona Christian University, uh, they created the seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. Seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview, or I believe it's it's a foundation of a worldview. It is uh, <clears throat> kind of kind of the the building blocks of your worldview. If you have these seven things, you have a great foundation. We know that everything depends on the foundation. You build a bad foundation, Jesus talked about this. You build it on the sand, the wind's gonna blow it away. You build on a rock, it's, it's not gonna blow away. And so you gotta have these seven. So before we jump into those, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you today for everything that you're doing, everything you have for us. Father, I thank you that as I speak, it's not my words, but your words, Father, and you speak through me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. If you're on the YouVersion Bible app, uh, I don't believe that is available as of yet. I'm going to try to get that up here in just a little bit. I apologize that it wasn't up for you all service. Uh, but you can go back to that later today and jump on there. And I have a link to this article. And then all of the verses we're going to be reading this morning. So if you want to look at this full article that these seven come from, uh, you can go back and look at the seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. And they're talking about how to rebuild a worldview in our culture, how to rebuild a biblical worldview. And that as, as a family, you want to make sure that your children have this uh, and that your family understands this. Number one is an orthodox biblical understanding of God. Now, orthodox may throw you off. You may think, what in the world is orthodox? Great. Number one, I don't even understand the second word, so obviously I don't have that one. But all orthodox is a biblical understanding of God, which means that I take the Bible and that is how I get my understanding of God. I don't let culture, I don't let movies, I don't let TV shows tell me who God is. Okay, now I love movies, I absolutely love movies. Uh, you know, and, and uh, there's a lot of great movies about Jesus, uh, you know, and Bible characters, and those are great, but I don't get my theology from those movies. Chosen TV show, right about Jesus, really cool show. I do not get my theology, I do not take that as Bible. Okay, it's a cool TV show. Is it 100% biblically accurate? No, it's not, right? They have to add things and, and change the timeline to make that TV show work. And, and so it's, it's a cool show, but I'm not gonna say, oh man, that's what Jesus did that. No, I'm gonna go to my Bible and get my understanding of God. So number one is, is I have a biblical understanding of God. Number two is that all human beings are sinful by nature. Every choice we make has moral consideration and consequences. All human beings are sinful by nature, and every choice you make has moral consequences. Now, some of these may be really easy for you, and you may think, well, that, yeah, that, you know, that's great. And it's like everybody's sinful. Every woman in here is like, yeah, my husband, he's a sinful uh, uh, man, and that's easy to believe and understand. But for us to believe that all human beings are sinful, all human beings are sinful. And there's even preachers that I've heard preach that say, well, you know, uh, all people are really just good at heart. People are just good at heart. And that's not true. The Bible says that your heart is deceitful and that you can't trust it. That's why you never tell anybody to follow your heart because your heart will lie to you. Your brain will lie to you, right? Your mind will lie to you, right? Your, your mind is crazy. It's paranoid, right? And it'll tell you crazy things. And so we have to understand that, hey, we are all sinners. Now, even as sinners and dark people, we can still do good things, it doesn't mean that if you don't have Jesus, you're incapable of doing something good because we, we know that's not true, right? You can do good things, but deep down in our soul, we are separated from God because of sin. And everything that we do has consequences, right? Every decision you make has consequences. Number three, uh, for the biblical foundation, the, the seven cornerstones is knowing Jesus Christ is the only means to salvation through our confession of sin and reliance on his forgiveness. Now, most other religions will admit to you, if you say, I believe in Jesus, most other religions will say, hey, so do I. I believe in Jesus too. You get any, any Muslim, any good Muslim, and say, oh, I believe in Jesus. And he would tell you or she would tell you, so do I. Then you say, well, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And then they would say, you're crazy. Right? And so, so 
back to number one, this biblical understanding of God, I have to know that Jesus is the only means to salvation. There's no other way. There's no other path. The only way to salvation, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved, right? And then verse 10 goes on to say that salvation is made through confession, right? And so as I confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, now, this is a foundational view. I see, you know, we can see celebrities online and people online and like Oprah, the Oprah gospel is, is she says, hey, I'm a Christian, but I believe that everybody is on the path to salvation. Everybody is on the path to heaven. And Jesus is one way. Jesus could be your path, but maybe not your path, right? And we know biblically speaking, that is not true. Jesus is the only way. Number four, the entire Bible is true reliable and relevant, making it the best moral guide for every person in all situations, right? We believe that the word of God is true, right? It's, it's, it hadn't passed away. It's not done away with. It's not like, well, we've come a long way in the last 2,000 years. Relationships, love, right? All of these things have evolved, and the Bible's just kind of outdated, right? We don't believe that. The Bible is true. The Bible is reliable. The Bible is true and reliable in all situations, making it the best moral guide for every person in every situation. I, I love when, when, you know, if you go to anybody that's maybe has something in their life, you're like, hey, you, you, need, you need to change this. And it's like, well, you don't understand what, my story, right? You don't, you don't understand my situation. And you're absolutely right. I don't. I don't know your story or your situation, but I know Jesus does. I know God did when he spoke to the men who wrote the Bible. He knew where you'd be, when you'd be, how'd you be, right? And so he wrote the word of God so that it could speak to you. And we believe that it's true and reliable. Number five is we believe in absolute moral truth exists. Absolute moral truth exists. And those truths are defined by God, described in the Bible, and are unchanging across time and culture. I love that. They're unchanging across time and culture. Now, a big thing in our culture right now, especially with Gen Z, who are, you know, the college age to high school age kids right now, is I have my own truth, my truth. Well, this is my truth. And that's called an opinion, right? And that doesn't make it true. Right? My opinion could be that the sky is orange. And I could tell y'all all morning right now that you've been looking at the sky wrong and it's really been orange the whole time. Right? And y'all are crazy, not me. And that if you would just go outside and look at the sky correctly, it's orange. And that's true. That's my opinion. Right? That doesn't make it true. And so we believe in absolute moral truth. That these truths are, are unchanging and that they don't change from time or from culture. Number six, the ultimate purpose of human life is to know, love, and serve God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. I'm going to read that again. The ultimate purpose of human life is to know, love, and serve God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. I think the first five are probably the easiest to agree with. 
as, as, a, as a Christian, if you've been raised in church, um, if you've grown up in church or even around church, the first, you know, the first five. Like, hey, I understand who God is by the Bible. We're all sinners. We need Jesus. The Bible's true. And absolute moral truth exists. But the last two, I think, are easy to overlook. Your ultimate purpose in life is to know, love, and serve God. Everybody in this room at one time or another, you have struggled with what's my purpose. A lot of times it happens at younger ages in life, like, and I'm talking, you know, high school, college, you think, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? And you know what we always tie that to? Jobs, right? Here pretty soon in school, a bunch of school counselors are gonna cram a bunch of juniors into a classroom, and they're gonna say, hey, you've got one more year of high school left, and you've gotta figure out where you're going to college, and then you've gotta figure out what you're gonna study, and then you need to figure out what you wanna do for the rest of your life. And they're 16 years old, right? They couldn't decide what they wanted for breakfast, Right? I mean, and, and then what we do is, is we tie our purpose to our job, to our occupation. But our ultimate purpose as a human life is to know God, love God, serve God with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. Number seven, success on the earth is, better, is best understood as consistent obedience to God in thoughts, words, and actions. Now, I know that had a curse word in it, and I'm really sorry. It had the O word, obedience. And I know that we don't, we don't, I mean, nobody likes that word, right? Nobody likes getting in trouble. Nobody likes being told what to do, right? But success on the earth is best understood as consistent obedience to God. I would say probably one in a thousand Christians might believe that. Might. Right, that my success on the earth is obeying God. And you know what we do with our worldview? We treat it like a milkshake, right? Or or a breakfast smoothie. And we just throw a bunch of stuff in. We throw some strawberries, some bananas, some spinach, right? Some chia seeds, a little sugar to make it taste good, right? We blend that up with some oat milk. That sounds disgusting, doesn't it? It's like, who's, who's drinking that in the morning, right? But it's like we blend these things up, and we take these, and we say, well, yeah, well, success is if I obey God. And, you know, I mean, you know, if, I, if I'm obeying him and making a bunch of money or building a big business or, or, or leading my, my occupation or, or working my way up the ladder, it's like, what if none of that stuff happens but you obey God? Right? You're just in constant obedience to God in thoughts, words, and actions. I think it's, it's kind of hard to swallow. It's kind of hard to understand. And I don't believe that God wants you suffering or doing bad or not making money or you know, living in, in a tent in the alley. I don't believe that God has those plans for you. But knowing that, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to mix these things up. I'm going to go to the Word of God. I'm going to use that as my lens. In their study, 80% of Americans embraced one or more of these. 80% one or more. 20% reject all seven. 3% believe all seven. 3% believe all seven of those. You go down to 18 to 29-year-olds, 1% agree with all seven. 10% will accept four to six as valid. 18 to 29 that's crazy. That, I mean, that is absolutely mind-blowing. Today's 
uh, release from the American Worldview Inventory in 2023 goes deeper into how American adults uh, fare on each of these seven cornerstones. And most of the numbers are low. Only 50% of American adults embrace the true nature of God. 35% believe Jesus is the only way for salvation. 35%. And if they're interviewing Christians, that's less than half the church believes that Jesus is the only one. 20%, 27% recognize humans as sinful, right? Everybody thinks they're a good person, right? I love asking kids and graduate, how do you know you're going to heaven? I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. You're a terrible person. I hung out with you for an hour. You're going to hell. I'm sorry, right, right, right? The, the, the odds are not in your favor today, son, right? But it's like everybody thinks they're just like, oh, man, I'm a, I'm a good person. 46% except the Bible is true and reliable. A slim 25% believe in absolute truth rooted in the Bible. 25% believe absolute truth is rooted in the Bible. 36 see their purpose as serving God. 36%, less than half. Only 23% define success as obedience to God. Yeah, I would say that last one is probably one of, the, one of the toughest ones. 23% defines success as obedience to God. By the age of nine, a child's moral compass is fairly determined. By the age of nine, they believe they know right and wrong. By nine years old. By the age of 13, your worldview is usually fully formed and set. This was a study done by Andrews University. 13, that's like junior high. And your worldview on how you see the world, on the lens you take in the world, is, is almost, you know, I imagine in my head like a bowl of jello in the fridge. You know how if you ever make jello and you put it in the fridge? I love making jello with the kids because you make it, and, you know, boil the water, you put the cold water, and then you put it in the fridge, you're like, how long till it's ready? And you're like, eight hours. And they're like, why did we waste our time doing this, right? I, I'm going to be a different person in eight hours. I mean, I want jello in eight hours, right? But you know how you go and you check it in about four hours, and it's kind of set, but it's still kind of liquidy, right? That's how their worldview is. It's not quite fully formed, fully set, but it's still kind of liquidy. This shows you the importance of kids' ministry and youth ministry, Right? Because, because you want your students in these ministries and your children in these ministries where they're going to hear a message tailored to them on these seven subjects. Right? But because by nine, they're thinking, hey, I know right from wrong. By 13, their worldview is beginning to set. And so, as a, as a number one, as a parent, you want to be teaching these seven things to your kids. You want to be talking about these seven things with your kids. You want to be telling them that that's what you believe. The first one, you know, one of the ones that we talked about is that the Bible is true and from God. Second Peter 1.20 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in human will, but the prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we know right there in 2 Peter that he says that the prophets wrote the Bible, that men wrote the Bible, but they wrote it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. That God told them what to write down and that the Bible is true and that we can trust it. The second thing is, is Jesus is who he says he is. 
John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.1 at the beginning of that chapter says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, talking about Jesus. And then we jump down to 14, and it says the Word became flesh. And we know that Jesus stepped out of heaven and became flesh. And he is who he says he is, right? And, and pastors talked about this before, that you have, you have like the three options. Either he's, well, help me with them. What is he? He's a lunatic, Lord, and then what's the last one? Liar, lunatic, Lord, or a liar, right? And so you can either say, he's a lunatic, he's crazy. He was some nutty Jew, right, who went against the Romans and they killed him, right? He, he's just a liar, kind of same thing. He was a nut, or he's Lord, right? He is who he says he is, and the Bible says that he is who he says he is and that I need to submit my life to his lordship because either here on earth you're going to do it or in the afterlife you're going to do it. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, right? And so I'm going to submit my life to him. Number three is we are all sinners and evil. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us have sinned, but we know that we can find salvation in Jesus, which is number four, is Jesus is salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus answered them and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, like we said earlier, every, every religion can talk about Jesus, but right there is where they get mixed up. Right there is where they, they disagree with us. When we say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Number five, Satan is a real being. Now, we have this whole worldview that you have to deal with, and you have to be able to sit down, get your Bible out, and read it, and what you have to do is, is you have to take all your, your pre-ideas, you know, the things you think, the things you believe, and you have to pull those out of your head, and you have to set them on the table, and you have to tell God, I'm going to read my Bible, but all of my pre-assumed ideas, I'm going to set to the side, and I want you to show me truth. Jesus said that he was going to go to heaven so he could send the Holy Spirit, who is truth, that he could lead us into all truth. Right? And we think that we have the world figured out. We think that we have the answers. Right? We could, I could ask any kind of question, and everybody here would think they have the answer. Right? And, and we, we, we decide that, hey, I, I know how to deal with this. So you have to take that out, your Western way of thinking, the part of the world we live in, set it to the side and read the Bible. Then you have an enemy in the midst of all of that. The devil, the dark, darkness, right? Ephesians 6.12 says that we don't fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and principalities in the darkness, against demonic spirits. Satan was an angel who was in heaven. He got a third of the angels. We don't know how many that was. There could have been a million angels. He took a third of that. There could have been a hundred million angels, and he took a third of that. Right? And he took them. And what did Jesus say? Uh, in Luke 10, 18, Jesus said that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The Bible says that, that Lucifer, the devil, got his angels, and they went and they waged war against Michael and his angels, that they were defeated, and Jesus said right there, he was cast out of heaven and thrown to the earth. 
And the devil wants to separate you from God. The devil loves nothing more than when you don't trust God. That is his greatest victory, right? The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come that they may have life and life to the full, right? And so the devil, what did he do with Eve? He told her you can't trust God. God's holding out on you. You eat that fruit, you'll be like God. He doesn't want you to be like God, right? And then that's the same thing the devil does to us today. He wants to separate you from God, and you have to understand that Satan is a real being, right? And you have authority over him in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus in the New Testament, he gathers up a bunch of the disciples, and there's about 70 of them, and he gathers them, and he sends them out in pairs of two. And he says, y'all go out and do what I've been doing. They come back, man, they're pumped. They're, they're having a great day. I mean, they are stoked. They're like, Jesus, you're never gonna believe it. This guy was demon-possessed, and we prayed in your name, and that demon left. And Jesus is like, hey, don't, don't, don't be surprised by that or don't be excited about that. Be excited that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Right, But you have authority over darkness, over fear, over uh, anxiety and depression and all of these things that we face, all of these things that come against us that come from the enemy, we have power over it through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Number six, hell is a real place. Matthew 25, 41, Jesus is speaking, and he said, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is a real place, and it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Right? And we have two options while we're here. We can serve the Lord or you serve self, right? We worship self and our own desires and what we want, what matters to us. And then that is darkness, Right, And then Jesus said in this, you can go back and read that full chapter in Matthew 25. He's talking about how those people are going to be separated. And he used the analogy of the sheeps and the goats. And they're going to be separated into two groups. And he's going to tell one group, hey, depart from me because I don't know you. Because they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They didn't believe that. And hell is a real place. Now, there, there's a lot in our culture right now. And there's a lot on online you know, we have this crazy world, we've talked about this, where we have access to tons of information, and, you know, uh, Instagram and TikTok and all these things, if you're on those, are run by an algorithm, and the more you look at something, the more it sends that to you. So I can see some crazy video of a guy talking about how hell's not a real place, and I'll watch that video. Well, then I'll get 15 more like it after that, right? And, uh, and then, you know, I'll get on there and, like, like six videos that are different, so it changes the algorithm, so you get, you get different stuff on there. But you, you, you watch this stuff, and you think, well, man, that, that guy's going to be true, right? He's in a room with lighting and headphones and a microphone in front of him, and he looks like Joe Rogan, so he must be knowing what he's talking about. And you have to understand that, that you have to go to the Word of God. Right, just like TV shows and media and all of that, I have to go to the Word of God for the basis of what I believe. Not social media, not online, not the internet, got Google. I need it backed up by Scripture. Number seven, this is the last one, is heaven is real. Heaven is a real place. John 14, 2, uh, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I love this so much because he says, hey, if it wasn't real, I'd tell you. If there wasn't anything after this, I would tell you that there's nothing after this. 
Right now, these seven things that we've just backed up with scripture go along with the foundational things, right? And there's a few different ones, a few added ones, but these are the basis, the foundation of a biblical worldview. And if you can know and understand these things, these, these seven that we went over earlier, you know that, that we have a biblical understanding of God, all humans are sinners, Jesus is the only way to heaven, the Bible's true, absolute moral truth exists, my purpose is to know, love, serve God, my success on the earth is to obey God, right? And then all the things we just talked about, that these build a foundation for you that God continues to build upon. And you never arrive. You never get to this place of super Christian where God's like, man, Pastor Rusty, you've made it. You've arrived. You're there. You're super Christian, right? Right? We, 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 it, it never happens. That won't happen until Jesus comes back to the earth. We keep digging. We keep growing. We keep learning, right? We make mistakes. We mess up. We repent. We get back on track, right? And that's the amazing thing about God. You know, poor Eve, she messes up, and God's like, y'all are out. It's done. You messed up, right? I mean, I think that's why the devil hates us so much. He's like, I know, I know. I tried to overthrow the place. Can I, have, can I get one more chance? And God's like, nope, throw him out. And he probably didn't say that, but, right? And you, God's grace is on us, and God's mercy and grace is new every day. Right? And so what is that? That should drive me to live for him. That should drive me to submit to him, right? To bow my knee to him as Lord. And what does all that do? It begins to build a foundation in your life. If you've got little kids at home, uh, even junior high, you want to begin to work on this. You want to be able to let your kids ask questions. Don't ever be afraid of your kids' questions, all right now, as they get juniors and seniors and even into their 20s, they might have some really wild questions, right? And you may say, I don't, I don't, I don't know. We got to call Rusty because I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, you know, right? And, and, and you know, or, or call us and it's like, we'll help you find an answer. But, but le- one thing that I want to encourage you with is don't be afraid of those questions. It might scare you in the moment, but you know, you can't let your kids know they're getting to you. Right, they're vicious animals, and if you show weakness, they'll exploit that weakness. Right, and so you you got to can't let it, but but don't be afraid of that. Begin to build these, develop them while they're young, and the Bible says that if you train a child in the way of the Lord, they won't depart from it. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this time together. Father, I thank you that these seven foundations that we've discussed this morning, Father, if there's any one of those that maybe we're struggling with, that we don't believe it, that we're not fully sure about, Father, that you begin just to reveal it to us through the Holy Spirit who is truth, that he would lead us into all truth. And Father, by your grace, by your mercy, you'll lead, guide, and direct us. You'll give us the strength through the power of your spirit that we can believe. Just as the, the Father in the New Testament told you, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Father, that if there's if we need help, Father, that you would help us as well and help us in our, in our unbelief. Father, just strengthen us, strengthen our foundation in you, that it would be strong, it would be set, and it would be solid. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet. Thank y'all for being here. Y'all have a great rest of your day and you're dismissed.